stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Gregory Williams. He's a student of Latin, Greek, theology, and the kingdom of God. He's also an author of several books, dozens of pamphlets, audio and video recordings, and has appeared on numerous radio and television programs. Gregory, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm fine, and I'm glad to be here. You went to seminary as a young man. So what prompted you to do that? Tell me a little bit about your journey of faith that led you to desire to go to seminary. Well, I was about 13 years old, and I was listening to somebody talking about vocation. And he started talking about that. All of a sudden, I just felt this urge that I thought maybe I had a vocation. I had a brother who was already attending a seminary. He was actually attending a seminary up in Canada. And so I, I was familiar with it a little bit, but it's the idea of being called by God for a particular task. I was raised in a particular religion that was very formal. It was a Catholic religion. It was a Carmelite, not the Roman rite. You know, that's all I knew about what filtered down to that. And my parents, now my mother was originally Baptist and her grandfather was a founder of Baptist churches in Norway and in the United States. And so we have a lot of faith history in our family. So I've always thought I've had exceptional parents. Now that I've been out in the world for a long time, I've seen a lot of other parents and I'm, I'm very appreciative of the fact that I had the ones that I did. But just to go back from the point at 13, I had talked to my father when I was seven. And there was a particular day in his study. He was an attorney. He was showing me a case he was working on in his study. And he was showing me all these people that FBI agents and arson agents and different people, insurance people that were involved in this case. And he was telling me the whole thing. And I was just fascinated because I'm a seven-year-old. My dad is taking all this time to talk to me. And I was a pretty precocious little kid. But at the end, he asked me what I wanted to be when I uh, grew up. And I wasn't thinking about careers at seven. And so the question just came to me and I turned to the side. I remember doing that. This is one of the first memories that I have of this idea of consulting the Holy Spirit. That's what I would call it. Mm -hmm. so I turned to the side and I just kind of asked the question in my mind, what do I want to be? And my response to my father was just off the cup. That was the first I heard of this response. And I said, I wanted to be a shepherd. I had never even seen a sheep from my memory at that time. I, I lived in the city of Houston, Texas. Uh, sheep were nowhere in my life at all. I didn't know any shepherds. <laughs> but that's what came to me. And that's what I said. My father, he's very cold person, very controlled person. Well, he did the same thing a year later on another case. And he asked me the same question. And I thought, I'm not going to say that again. I'm eight. But I had seen a movie by then of a shepherd who was talking to a forest ranger. And so I said, I wanted to be a forest ranger. Within a couple of days, I got college level books from my dad to read and study forestry. Mm. And I eventually did go to University of Minnesota and study forestry and got some of the same books in my course. <laughs> but I still had this yearning to be this shepherd, you know, with sheep out on the desert. Eventually, things way outside of my control brought me to the high deserts. I was living in Minnesota. That's where I went to the university. I met my wife there and got married. I already had at least one child and my brothers had moved to Oregon and they wanted to start a horse ranch out here. Well, we came out and I was going to help them. We wanted to live in the country. 
again, I'm following what I would call the Holy Spirit. You know, we would see things in our life and we'd say, well, we don't want to raise our kids in the city. We wanted to do it in the country. And then we had this opportunity to come here. We came here. People asked me, where should I live? Where should I go? I said, you pick up the dirt when you're there and you look at it. You ask God if this is the dirt you want me to live in. (laughs) And if you feel right about it, follow that. But that's what everybody has to cultivate is that still small voice. Mm-hmm. Amen to him. It isn't so much you don't have any control over, but you have a lot of out of control thinking that keeps you from listening to God. All of this is an exercise in quieting your mind. And I call it waiting upon the Lord. You know, don't look for the answer. Look for what God is writing on your heart and your mind. You have to calm down to do that. You have to not be afraid. You have to be forgiving. All these things that Christ talked, they prepare you to hear that still small voice. And so I didn't know that that's what I was learning when I was seven and when I was eight and when I was 13 and thought, well, I'll go to the seminary. Then I had to pick a seminary. I didn't want to go to that one. And I didn't want to go to that one. And this one over here didn't want me. And eventually I come across somebody and I felt right about it. And I went to that one. So I was going to go to Missouri for classes and then something changed outside of my control again and moved me to a seminary in California because my folks were suddenly moving to California. And so I went to that one and I met people there that changed my life that I think I was destined to be. So you don't get all the plans of God in advance. The kingdom of God, what I call, is in the moment. You hear the spirit in the moment. You may want to know what you're going to be doing in five years or 10 years, but that's a need to know basis. God will steer you and you have to be willing to be steered. And all those things that Christ talked about, like I said, forgiveness, you know, like giving, helping other people. You want to help your enemy. You want to help people that you don't even know. And that's a test as to whether you really care about your neighbor or not. It's a test for you. Your neighbor in need is there for you. You're not there for your neighbor as much, although you are, from another point of view. You're trying to follow the footsteps of Christ. As Christians, we're supposed to come in the name of Christ. Well, the name of somebody, this is one of the things from my study of Hebrew, study of Greek. Come in the name of somebody is to come in his character. Christ came that the whole world might be saved. So if we gather together as Christians, that's our purpose. It's not to get a good feeling. You know, like when you study the Bible and the Greek or the Hebrew or whatever it is, you can just go and search it out yourself. And what you need to search it with the Holy Spirit. And I have no control over that. You don't really have any control over that, but you have to surrender all your personal ambition, personal vanity, your personal preconceived notions, your ideology, and listen to what God wants you to do. And that's what I do when I write. A lot of the books that we produce, a lot of the articles, hundreds of articles, are produced because somebody asked a question. And then I asked that still small voice, so how do I answer this? And, you know, like the first book I wrote, I just poured at it, which is probably the best story to go to next, is went to the seminary, learned a great deal, heard that men who had been on the missions, been tortured on the missions, and really had their faith challenged. And uh, they also seemed to have kind of almost a spiritual awareness of what was going on around us and everything. And I observed it, but I didn't really understand it for years. Many of the things they told me, I didn't understand for years and years. Then I was out here finally raising sheep 
a shepherd on the desert, yeah. checking the sheep in the middle of the night and coming back. And I had a wife, still have her, mm-hmm. married for over 50 years. We'd have six children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But on the way back, I felt this like frustration, like I was missing something. And I literally, I was in the dark, saving batteries on my flashlight and just knelt down and said, God, I don't get it. I think this is one of the important prayers, everybody. We cannot figure this out. That's tree of knowledge. That's what got us into trouble. We think if we can decide what is good and evil for us, even go so far as to think what's good and evil for everybody else. I know the basics. I mean, we have the Ten Commandments. You can do things that you think are in the Ten Commandments and you're actually doing wrong, you know? And and we see this. I mean, we've had religions over the years and over the centuries went out, killed people in the name of the rest. We still have that. Different religions, not usually the Christian religions, but uh, you might even find some people who profess Christians that are actually taking the life of their neighbor rather than giving life to their neighbor, which is coming again in the name of Christ. But anyway, I knelt down and I asked this question. And my answer was, I can't get it. If there's something I need to know, you have to show me. Because I had everything I'd ever wanted. I was happy and content by every intellectual approach to it. But I felt like there was something missing. Well, the next day, books showed up on my doorstep. A stack almost two and a half feet tall. And it was about long. I mean, they literally showed up there. I just came and there was this stack of books. And it was my father who brought them over. And suddenly he thought I should see these books, have these books. Well, I wasn't going to become a lawyer, but I started reading them when I'd come in. And within three months, I was writing the first book, which is the Covenants of the God. And of course, the Bible is mostly about law. It's about government. As a matter of fact, when Wycliffe translation was first published, the board said, this is the book for the government of the people, for the people and by the people, which is where Abraham Lincoln got that phrase. Because it's telling us how to govern ourselves in relationship to everybody else and all the other governments of the world. Jesus talked about governments all the time. Religion's only mentioned four times Bible as a word, maybe five times religious. I look at that. But a religion was defined different 200 years ago than it is today. Certainly it was defined different back then. So all these things I was discovering, but my motivation is to share them with other people. And I think they've answered a lot of the questions and frustrations. I am probably the least frustrated person. I know. I'm very content, but I'm, I'm very driven. I, I work hours and hours. You know, I'm three quarters of a century old. And, you know, 60, 70 hour work week is still a part of my day. And, and it includes physical labor and writing and our podcasts, our radio broadcasts videos that we put up and we're pretty controversial. But when people say, well, why do you say this? Or why do you say that? Well, we give them an explanation. But if you're really talking about how the Holy Spirit works in people's lives, I think a lot of people are listening to the Holy Spirit, but they haven't really identified. And I think you can hear it better when you're all those things that Christ says that we should be. You know, Jesus has a big, long parable about these people. He says, come into the kingdom. They kind of wonder why. And, you know, he says, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me and all these different things. And they said, when did we do that? They don't seem to know they're doing this for Christ. And he says, well, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you've done it also to me. And then there's another group he talks about in another place where they think they're Christians doing all kinds of wonderful things in his name. And he says, get you from me. I know you're not, you workers of iniquity. I mean, he actually calls them workers of iniquity. And so we want to make sure that we're in that group that he says got into the case. And so we may have to look at a lot of the things, because he said that many people would follow false teaching, false Christ. 
all men who say they're anointed, Christ means anointed. And so we look at a lot of things different than other people, but we don't tear down their faith or belief. We just want them to focus on an actual belief in that spiritual relationship with Christ rather than a mental relationship with an ideology that was constructed by, you know, our life, people around us, religions around us. There should not be 40,000 different denominations. We don't have to think against 40,000 different denominations. But to me, there is one denominator in Christianity, and that is Christ. And a lot of people go to this church and they go to that church. We deal with a lot of people from a lot of different churches. If it's not what Christ said, if it's not what Christ was doing, then we don't want to do it. We want to do what Christ said. That's our major focus. We don't care where you came from. We're interested in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the only way we can do that is to listen to that Holy Spirit in our own heart and in our own mind. There's a lot you said there, you know, listening to the voice of God. And it's different for everybody. Bible tells us that, you know, he's not in the earthquake. He's not in the this and that. He's a still small voice, right? But that still small voice can be heard in different ways because we're all created differently. For me as a type A person, you know, I'm driven to have everything planned and organized. And you know what I mean? Like everything's got to be cut and dry and like squared away in my head. And God just enjoys throwing curves at me. My wife and I talk a lot about flowing in the river of God been an enlightening journey because, as you said, you have to relinquish the authority of your own life over to Christ, and you have to give over the lordship of your life to Christ and listen carefully, and not only listen, but be able to recognize God's voice, because yes. it, may, it may come in a way, or it may come through someone that you won't expect it. And Absolutely. yet, if you're not in tune with hearing God's voice, recognizing God's voice, you could miss it. And he may have something very important for people to listen to. So I would encourage our listeners today to, as you said, you know, if they if they sense like a prompt, whatever it might be, however they interpret the voice of God, to act upon it on faith, as long as it's within the confines of what the scriptures tell us to do. Absolutely. You know, because well, we have James to talk yeah, about is that's you know, right. You're not saved by works, but if your works are the opposite of what Christ says, they may not be the works of God. They may be something else. This is an individual journey. And like you say, everybody, I'm actually somewhat of a type A at one time. When I was a young kid, I would be the one who planned the vacation. I mean, like, we have to be at this spot by this time. Mm -hmm. But most of what I write, most of what I share with people is a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, a lot of things about, you say, Greek and Hebrew and the different languages and what we're trying to find out what the author was trying to say and then assuming that that author was inspired. And so we're looking at it that way. But I tell people, and, it's, and I just actually wrote something this morning, and the major theme is that I'm not giving you this knowledge so that you can seek God with information. Most of the knowledge I share with people is so you can set down what you've already decided is the case so that you can listen to God in your heart and in your mind. We had that conversation a little bit before we even began this. God's got to write on your heart. If you have too many ideologies going on there in your heart, and your mind, you're going to miss God. And yeah, we have these chunks and balances coming together with other people. They can add that, you know, like maybe you ought to rethink that plan. But we don't want to follow them either. We want to follow Christ. And that's what you want to look for in a minister who is constantly trying to point Christ, not to an ideology or a catechism or not that you can't use those things. You have to be guided internally by Christ. 
there, there's no limit to how far that goes. Before we began, you talked about the prayer that we were making so that God would give us the words that would meet other people's needs. We could answer their questions without having them on the show or whatever. I've spoken to a lot of people and I can feel their questions sometimes, not because of my ability, but God's, he's putting the words in my mouth. A lot of the things I learn, I learn when I'm talking to other people. And that's the way it should be all the time. Not always. I'm an imperfect person. I'm the first to say that, but that's the job of walking in the Holy Spirit. And we need to do that more and more and more, especially this day and age, where there's so many influences trying to get us to be afraid of this and to worry about that. And that was one of the first things that Christ said, fear not. And those little advice, they're not just good ideas. They're essential in our walk. And that's what we need to constantly repeat. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and the, the Bible tells us when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against them. And I believe that too, that in these days and the upcoming days, that God is looking for his people to walk as he did, to walk in the authority and the anointing and just the love that he had for mankind. And just to express Jesus to the world in a way that is undeniable. And it's so important you know, because like John the Baptist said, you know, we must decrease so he can increase. And that has to be our passion. Absolutely. It's a journey that will, like you say, differ with everybody because we're all starting in a different place. And God loves variety, evidently. So there's a lot of different people out there. So we have to be careful of trying to impose particular behavior out of our own catechism on other people. And Christ gave us very clear, very clear direction. So, so we're running a bit short on time here. So let me ask you, if people want to get a hold of you or read some of your materials, where would they go? We have numerous websites and there are other people who have opened up sites and are putting our material on. But basically it's hisholychurch.org is one of our main sites. We also have .net and uh, .info. We have Keys of the Kingdom who has a lot of our audios on it. Uh, but all these are linked. And we also have preparingyou.com, just like the word spelled out, preparingyou.com. And that's more of a, what we call a wiki site because a lot of people could put in, but I've still the majority of the articles that are on there, but that's constantly changing and being added to interacting people. You know, they all have searching. So if you have questions, you can search on it. And we have a network, an email network based on geography. You know, we have people in Australia and, and England and South America and you join that based on your locale so you're not swamped with emails, you'll get notices, but you can also start meeting up with people in your area because kingdom is it's not just in your head. You have to become a doer mm -hmm. of the word. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be very important, or so at almost any time, it's always good, that Christians start gathering together and meeting with one another and uh, doing so to the first century church, provided all the social welfare, for Christians as the Roman Empire began to collapse. Mm -hmm. And don't come together because you're afraid, because we're listening to Christ, said don't be afraid, but maybe to be as wise as Christ would want us to be. So yeah, His Holy Church, preparingyou.com, and you can get a hold of us, and we've got people all over the country. That okay, so let me ask you one final question. What's the one thing you would tell people about God? Creator of life, and He wants to give you that life and all abundant. And if we come in his name, we will want to do that for other people as well. Because his two things, those two things, I have to make it two at least, 
love God, which is the giver of life, and love thy neighbor as thyself. If we work on that, that will open up the kingdom of God to us. Amen. Well, thanks very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and God bless you and all you do for him. Okay. It's a pleasure meeting you. God bless. Likewise.
watching, watching for the king. He is higher, higher than opinion. Jesus, Jesus is his I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.